You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest, I think we're about week 18, 19, or 20. I give up on this pandemic is a comedian originally from Lee, Massachusetts. Not only will you see him around New York City performing, but if you've gone to a lot of TV tapings, he has been a warm-up for such shows as The Colbert Report, The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Match Game with Alec Baldwin, The Opposition with Jordan Klepper, and countless others. His, he has a new album out called Western Mass Hole, which I'm not sure is autobiographical. Let's find out. Have a listen. Maybe get a cocktail. May I suggest a Kevin Bartini? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? Good. Uh, um, haven't seen you in a while. I mean, obviously, I haven't yeah. seen anybody in a while. But, uh, you, right. you know, uh, we cross paths very rarely on the stand-up circuit because I think you went into, like, a lot of other things. But let's, let's go back first. Um, sure. Um, I always thought you were from New York City. You're from Lee, Mass., but you have no accent. Is that a Western Massachusetts thing? Yeah, that's a Western Massachusetts thing. People think the Massachusetts accent, you know, that they that Kennedy style accent. People right. think that's that's the East Coast, that's Boston. But Western Mass, where I grew up, um, well, basically my parents' house. It was a two and a half hour drive to Fenway Park and a two and a half hour drive to Yankee Stadium. Ah. So we're kind of equidistant, and then you've also got that northern New England, the Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, you know, that you can't get back from yeah, that kind of thing. That <laughs> right. It all just blends in, and uh, it just kind of became its own thing, which is kind of just a... Yeah, I, a I looked at the... accent-free. I, I went to school at Albany, and you are closer to Albany than you are to Boston. Very close. And, time. Yeah. Time. And, uh, That's where I got my start in stand-up was Albany, because it was closer. Oh, okay. You know? The, um, yeah. the, the works, whatever, um, comedy works, comedy yeah. works. Yeah. And many um, yep. where did you go to school? Well, I didn't, uh, I mean, I went to, you know, graduated high school and all that. I did a little bit of, uh, a semester or two of just community college, but, um, I started stand up at wow. 19, 20 years old. I, that's what I wanted to do. And I never really enjoyed the institutional learning <laughs> you know I, I i so i never got a degree or or a couple hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt either <laughs> were uh, you doing stand-up in high school no i did uh i did theater since i was a kid and so theater through high school and and summer stock and stuff like that and uh yeah with, which was always the intention of being comfortable on stage when i got old enough to start doing stand-up. Well, that, I didn't actually start till I was about 20. That's interesting. Were your parents performers? Yeah, were like your, your parents, parents performers? You're up in the Berkshires, which is like, you know, it's uh, that's where 
artists go to get away and mm-hmm. you know do summer stock and stuff like that so yeah give us your what's the performing background in your family there must be something no no None. nobody None. nobody in my family uh is a performer nobody in my family is a musician uh <laughs> they were all my my family Many people in my family excel in what they do, but it's not artistic. My, um, like my, my uncle is a carpenter who built some of the most beautiful houses. My grandfather also was, um, like my grandfather was a, like a, like a guy who, uh, you know, he worked, he got out of the war. He worked with his brothers. He was a house painter, things like that. But in, instead of just being a house painter, he got, um, he got this 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 I don't like a license basically to do restorative painting, which mm-hmm. was basically like in in Massachusetts and whatnot. They're not going to put an ads ad on Craigslist and just let <laughs> any house painter go up and redo you know John Adams house. Right, stuff. right. They had to be in that same style and same <laughs> thing. So he learned those techniques and became better than just a regular house painter. And then by the time I came around and he and my grandmother were empty nesters. He had taken that and gotten jobs with the government to go paint U.S. embassies. So like during during the end of the Cold War, during the Reagan Gorbachev years, they were in the Russian embassy and (laughs) he was painting all of that. And so red that kind of stuff. (laughs) So he just buys <laughs> yeah, or basically spies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they were all. So my family, there was a lot of people who did well within their fields and did different things, but nobody, nobody was into performance or, or or whatnot. Wow. And uh, I was really the first one. What did your What did this is your grandparents? Your grandfather was the yeah. painter. So what, yeah, what was your, what were your parents? Uh, my dad is a banker, and my mom works in a law office. How, why did they pick Lee Mass? There's plenty of places down here to do banking or Boston to do banking and law to do law. I mean, they're just small town people or they love the Very scenery. So. Oh, they just- Yeah, that area that area is there's a lot of small town people. There's a lot of people from where I grew up that don't, you know, don't travel down to New York City and get the exposure to it. I mean, I was probably 17 or 18 before I went and it wasn't I was working. I remember I was working at this restaurant or this inn, this bed and breakfast and this um the owner's mother when i told her i'd never been to new york city scoffed at me she was like 90 and she said do you know do you know you're two and a half hours from the greatest city in the world she said <laughs> you told someone from japan that you've never been to new york city they would they they would be shocked that it's so close which kind of hit with me and i realized that it's such a small town thing people don't my parents are high school sweethearts. They they were married at twenty, you know. In they, Lee, they have a wonderful in Lee? life. Yeah, oh, they have wow. a wonderful life, but they never, you know, they do travel. They they travel and, and they come to the city and they do things. Um, but a lot of people back home, you know, they they they're uh, you know they all stay around and they build their lives there. Yeah, There's something we have something people good about that too. Yeah, I'm not we kidding on it. we we have people on the show and we always ask them. It seems like the people we have on the show, most of them like come from that. They, they're like the one person who got out. My my wife is that person. You know, she's from Reading, PA, and then she uh-huh. sort of followed in one other cousin's footsteps to get out. And a couple of her friends got out, but there's a lot of high school friends still in that town. And yeah. you know, my sister Absolutely. lives 
one town away from where we grew up. And so like they say a lot of people just never leave. They just stay in that, you know, in the area that they were raised. Yeah. Um, so yeah. did you always have a feeling that you wanted to get out of there or did you, or did you, yeah. you just, uh, this um, isn't going to be big enough for me. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, my, my adolescence was a Bruce Springsteen song, right? I mean, I got to get <laughs> out of here. Uh, it, I, I was, I was torn. I mean, there was definitely an element of that small town. You don't leave, you know, all right. that I would be, you know, all I would be giving up and going away from in that security. But, uh, yeah, the, the place was not conducive to what I wanted to do with my life there. You know, I, I would have, would have been ended up, you know, cooking in a restaurant and that would have been my life, but mm-hmm. I, that's not what I wanted. What is, uh, so what's the main difference? Um, we'll get to the album in a second, but what, what's mm-hmm. the main difference between Western mass and Eastern mass? It's just sounds like it's a different world. Um, yeah. uh, do you find when you go to the Boston area, like, well, I didn't grow up with these Massachusetts people. It's like me with oh, Long no. Island. Like, I don't remember growing up with these crazy Long Island people. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing you would have experienced this as well just from stand-up, but any major city, you know, any major me- metropolitan city, you, you, you go, you can go an hour, an hour and a half out of that city, and it's Alabama. Right. I mean, it's, right. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I, the one of the biggest backwater, couple of backwater sticks places I've ever played. Uh, I was back home in my own bed in Manhattan that night. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's totally true. But the and but and so there's an element of that in Western Massachusetts. But the thing that makes that area different is. The amount of culture, the amount of theater, the amount of, uh, I mean, I grew up, I graduated high school in, we, uh, on the stage at Tanglewood, which is where the Boston right. Pops yeah. have their summer. I mean, I, I grew up in one mile, you know, a mile or two from Norman Rockwell's, uh, studio from where Edith Wharton, where Herman Melville wrote all this stuff and then there was all this great theater and, and stuff so there's a and wonderful restaurants and it's a vacation destination for people to get away right. so there, there was a different element it wasn't there is a bit of the alabama but mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of something else different Culture. that's what makes the area special well like uh, you were saying you got you starting theater and then you're you're a classically trained shakespearean actor is that true yeah yeah i am that was just another that was not not necessarily by choice, but that was this other wonderful thing about Western Mass. And um, there's a theater company called Shakespeare and Company, and they're based in Lenox. And they're one of the, you know, there's a lot of summer stock theater. There's a lot of companies that come in, do their run during the summer, and leave. But Shakespeare and Company has a campus, and they're year-round. And what they do, and this is wonderful, during the fall, in, you know, instead of packing up and leaving, they, their directors and some of their actors and their year-round people, they go out into the schools and into, I bet you there's 20 probably local high schools where the directors and the actors and their professionals come in during the fall and instead of the drama club doing My Fair Lady or something like that, they do a full Shakespeare show wow. and they teach 
everything, you know, we, I learned how to break down the script. I, I learned how to, you know, translate the language and to understand and to do all that. And then they teach the stagecraft and the fighting and the mask and, and everything else. And you do the show, uh, you know, you're Romeo and Juliet or Macbeth or whatever at your school for a couple of weeks. And then you go now to their campus. It used to be to a college theater and they have a right around Thanksgiving, a fall festival they call it a Shakespeare where every school does it. So I, I did get a very good foundation in, in, in Shakespeare. And, uh, then weirdly enough, after doing stand up and stand up only for about 12 or 15 years, I started getting roles off Broadway in Shakespeare plays. And now <laughs> full circle, they had, uh, uh, they had the 25th anniversary of the fall festival, uh, at Shakespeare and Company, and they had a gala performance, and I was asked to come back and perform, which I did, and then uh, that got me right back into their circles, and uh, now I'm on their advisory board, and I do amazing. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask the yeah. stupid question: Why didn't you go sure. into acting and not stand up at that point? If you could do that, it had to be like you're two and a half hours away. You got all this training, you got all these people, you probably made a ton of connections. Why didn't you go into, yeah. into acting? Uh, uh, you know what? I, uh, because I wanted to do stand-up. Uh, hmm. Pure and simple. I mean, I actually, I, I, in 1999, I apprenticed for a summer at Williamstown Theater Festival, which is a very big theater festival. Um, it's like the, the, you know, all the movie stars go and Broadway stars, and that's how they do their summer. And um, the only reason I went up there, there was 91 of us that year that apprenticed. <laughs> Okay. And all these kids for our first two days was just people doing their five minute monologues and blah, blah, blah. And we watched everybody was so serious. And the only reason I went up there was because Lewis Black went there and taught some stand ups. That's how I got my first, uh. you know. So I was really into that. And the, all the acting and everything was just to make sure I was comfortable on stage and I had the chops on stage. And then, you know, coming up. Or growing up in the 80s, the other idea was that, well, you become a, a stand-up and, and, and they'll give you your own sitcom, so I should probably be good <laughs> for when I say, you know. Uh, but, but basically, I started stand-up at about the same time that Survivor started on TV and sitcom <laughs> kind of died off, so that part didn't work out. Well, they're but, out now for what I heard. They can't make the show, so you're still going. You got them. We may have a shot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just kind of adapted and, and now, you know, now I do stand up and I do whatever. And when acting things come along, I get to, I get to do that. But stand up was always the first thing. That's what I wanted. That's cool. All right. Real quick. We have, I got one minute left, Neil, Neil, I got one minute left. Let's talk about, I just want to talk about the album Western Mass Hall. Why would you name it that? It sounds like a sweet part of the world. Um, it is a sweet part of the world. Yeah. Uh, I named it that. I don't know because we call ourselves mass holes. We kind of use that as a term of endearment. And, uh, this is, you know, I'm sure you played the Hookie Lao. I know. I have not played the Hookie Lao in Chickapee. No. It's gone now, unfortunately. Oh. But that was one of the clubs 45 minutes from my parents' house. And it was at this great uh, Chinese restaurant place. And we would go when I was a kid there. And I would, you know, I wanted to be a stand-up since I was six. And I dreamed of going there. And I would see the posters and playing there. And I, and I only, so I got the headline there just one time. <laughs> the only time i did did the place you know yeah. and uh and it went awesome and it was great and, and they recorded and it. and there was a lot of local references and things and yeah. so uh i recorded it and then um we're 
sadly, right now, the Western Massachusetts is being attacked by the EPA, mm. and uh, they are allowing GE to create a toxic waste dump right in Lee, right in my hometown, right Oof. near Tanglewood and Cranwell and all that. So I took the recording, listened to it, and it was good enough to release. Um, and I decided that I was going to put it out. I was going to call it Western Mass Hole. It's kind of my love letter to the area, and uh, I'm, I'm using the proceeds I raised to, to actually help fight the EPA and to try to get this thing stopped. So that's the long short of it, why I named it. Okay, so where can people get that? Uh, everywhere? Amazon? Uh, iTunes? It, it drops uh, on July 24th officially, but it's available for, free, for pre-sale right now. And if people go to kevinbartini.com, uh, right at the top of the page, there's a pop-up that comes up that'll take you over where you can pre-buy it on whatever form you prefer. Fan- Amazon, Apple, anything else. That's fantastic. So please do that, and you'll you'll be uh, saving a really sweet, pretty part of New York State. Um, and I'm sorry, Massachusetts. and Massachusetts. <laughs> I mean, it feels like New York State because when you look at the map, you're right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that whole area, the whole Berkshire area, you know, my sister got married probably on the other side of that border, right there, you know, like uh, somewhere yeah. around there. That whole area, if you ever just want it, when my mother would go, let's take a drive, you know, if you mm-hmm. when you go up there in the fall, it's unbelievable. But yeah. and I would be like, please don't make me do this. And I'm, I never got it. But if you were one of those people who really love the sights, incredible. Even my sister's wedding, yeah. I was look. All I did was look around at the trees leaf peeping as my wife likes to call it i'm like i all right let's move on yeah. to the second one um <laughs> all right you were also a, a warm-up guy for a long time yeah. how did you how did you well john it says on your website uh john stewart discovered you and then put you to work uh-huh. so how did is that true and then you did warm-up for a long time yeah i did well um i basically you know i i guess you and I probably know each other when we crossed paths the most often was the time when I was hosting in the city all the time. You know, mm. I, I, I had done a few years of stand up. Then I got into, uh, improv at the UCB. And I, as soon as I started that, it just kind of opened my mind to different ways of doing comedy and more improvisational, obviously, and, and off the cuff and, and I got good at uh, the crowd work element and, and that kind of thing. And I had a reputation in the city as being a good good host. So I you know, I became the house MC at New York Comedy Club for a little while on the weekends and my condolences. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, also <laughs> had a reputation as just being a generally nice guy who, you know, isn't a dick. And uh, that goes a long way. Yeah. So the daily show was having they were looking for a new warm up guy, a new backup to the warm-up guy, the substitute. And uh, they'd gone through a lot of people and were having a hard time. And I don't know, some producers and writers over there were also comics, and my name got thrown into the mix, and you should check him out. And so um, they gave me a call, and they brought me in. And, uh, you know, you get one episode. They pay you to do one episode. That's your audition. And I was just told straight up, the only person who matters is Jon Stewart. If he likes you, you're in. And if he doesn't, uh, you know, you get to tell your grandkids about the time you opened for John Stewart. <laughs> and, and the show, I was a huge, 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 huge fan of that show since day one of the Craig Kilborn days. I always loved the show and I loved what it became. And this was, this was about eight, nine years into John's run. He was already, you know, well-established top of the world. And uh, I got my shot and it went, went great. 
and John loved me and uh, brought me in and started using me there. Then they, a couple seasons, then they moved me over to Colbert. And then uh, when those two shows were gone, I became the guy at the nightly show. And every every show since that John Stewart has produced, I've I've had a I've I've been employed. They they brought me under their wing and. Uh, so I mean, you know, I give I give him the the tip of the cap, saying that he discovered me. I mean, I'd already been doing stand up itself for ten years, but was just at that point where I was trying to get out of the feature act kind of right. thing up, and uh, you know, getting that stamp of approval because I didn't have, you know, I never got to do Letterman. I I never had those big TV credits, my own special, but comedy clubs and owners and bookers. You know, that opens the door right. when you tell them, oh, John Stewart likes this guy. Now oh, Stephen Colbert likes this guy. It, it gets that stamp. So I, I give him the credit that that's what moved me from feature to headliner and was a, you know, and, and, and having done and gotten his respect, all these other TV shows would just call. And all of a sudden, yeah, Alec Baldwin's show calls or all these others. So he really, I really got a career because I, you know, because of John Stewart and whatever else came has all somehow been because of, of his, uh, you know, just giving me a shot. And he's putting you to work in, like, possibly the most thankless job of all time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's different. First of all, John Stewart's shows, all of his shows have such a fan base, and, and I'm among those fan bases. They're, they're my people. I'm mm-hmm. one of them. So it's very easy, I find, to do warm-up for a show that you would watch and enjoy it. Um, the thankless ones are when you get stuck, you know, working on a daytime talk show or I had to do once, there was this makeover show called what not to wear. Mm-hmm. And they did one live episode for like their 10th anniversary. <laughs> and I had to do this fucking, and it was housewives who were, who, who had, who were, were there all day. I was out there doing warm up because they would have to go back and, fix this woman's hair they're making up and I was out there for 45, 50 minutes. It took like nine oh, hours. Oh my God. Like that was awful. That, you know, some of them are awful, but more often than not, when I'm on shows that I really enjoy, it's, it's just a lot of fun, you know, and it's, uh, what, when you're warming them up, when they're, when you're in a situation like that though, are they putting, are they like, okay, you're on again. Like it's just a constant yep. thing like that. And they, they look yep. to you to like, to, to save this thing. Yep. Kill time, save this thing. Um, sometimes you do shows, I do. I've done a, a shows where you do the whole. You know, you'll do a whole season of a show in in about a week or two, and they don't have a following, so they have services where they pay people to be in the audience, right? right and right. so people are now you're doing shows where you got basically you're playing for homeless people who are there for fifty dollars <laughs> and a pe- and a slice of pizza, and then they're there for every audience, so you can't, you know. You can't be repeating your material and that kind of stuff too too much because and they by the end of the week you've done ten or eleven hours in front of these same people. And they don't have a home, so you can't say where you're from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How did it all go wrong? <laughs> now do they come to you? The producers come to you and go, "This is what we want." Are they really clear? Like we want these people standing. Are you yep. like there throughout the show, like revving them up too? Depends. Different shows are different. So for the John Stewart world, no, I just, I, I mean, yeah, I go in, I do my generally, you know, expected 15 minutes, but it could be longer. And then uh, once I hand the microphone off to the host, I'm done. 
Um, but other shows, yeah, you're there during the commercial breaks. There's an element, whatever the show is, you always have a message from the producers. There's things they want the audience to know, how they want them to react. You know, if it's a game show, some of the rules, the thing. And then the trick to being a good warm-up is being able to being able to take those messages from the producers, get them across to the audience in a way that they're, they're laughing, that you're right. keeping them entertained and getting them excited and hyped. And every, you know, every show is different sometimes. That's the difference between what we call warm-up and we call fluffing the audience. You know, mm. a fluffer is uh, the one who has to stay the whole time and work during the commercials and things. That's a tough um, one. That, you're right. I've seen that happen. That's, those people got to yeah. work, man. They got to yeah. work. I, I've been in the situation of being both. I, I, I definitely prefer the, the quick, <laughs> do your 15 minutes and you're back out before the cameras roll situation. But uh, sometimes, yeah, you've got to fluff it. <laughs> um, the, yeah. yeah, I know it's so ridiculous. That's a funny term come from porn industry, but it, exactly. makes, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yep. Some of these audiences come in amped. I remember I would watch the Colbert show, and I'm going to give you credit for this. I mean, you'd watch that. They were going nuts. I don't know if it's because yeah. their fan base is nuts coming in. Are they coming in nuts, or then you just rile them up with some kind of weird political statements? And then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you. Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, yes, they're. The audiences for those shows were dedicated, and they wanted the shows to do well, and they were excited to be a part of it, so they were really easy. No, you don't. I don't get them, you know, a political message or anything going right. across. But they are they're they're easy. They're they're easy because they want to be there and they're excited to be there. I mean, I, I used to stand and uh, watch the audience walk in to the studio to to be seated at Colbert, and so they would take you through this this backstage door. And then you come into the set, and, and all you see is the back behind the set. So it's just, you know, uh, it's just press board that's painted black and right. circuits and things. It's nothing. And then they turn this corner, and then the whole studio, there it is. And the look on their faces, it was like a kid on Christmas morning when they <laughs> turned. You know, I just love seeing that. Yeah. And then I did, uh, I did the presidential conventions with The Daily Show back in 2012 for – yeah, when Obama was up for re-election. So I went to Charlotte and I went to Tampa oh, for a wow. week with the show. And then we were I was warming up the audience there. And now I'm playing to 1,000 seats instead of 150. And that was as close as I could experience to what it must have been like for, you know, when Led Zeppelin comes to town. <laughs> I mean, here you are in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Daily Show is coming. So people were camped out. People were... You know, and they were there were a thousand of them. They were so excited to have been one of the lucky thousand in there, and they couldn't believe their luck. And I mean, I I I told John Stewart straight up. I I says I go. You know, you could have saved money. You could have instead of paying me all week, literally just shown that video, uh, that Thomas Edison video where they electrocute the elephant. It would have had the same effect. These people. <laughs> I had to bring their energy level down so it didn't disturb the show. You know, they were so into it. So uh, for those kind of shows that are established, it's, it's often just shooting fish in a barrel and just corralling their energy right? Uh, and in the right direction. And then there's other shows where you're playing for homeless people who have no idea what they're watching or why they're there, and you're just keeping them from getting up and trying to, to go take a leak during the actual tape. Is it so? Have you gone out to LA to do this too? What's that? Have you gone out to LA? Have you done this out in LA too, or are you just all no. in New York? No, all in New York. All in New there, York. LA has its own scene. I, I don't do stand. I've only been to LA once, really. I'm very East Coast, 
in that way. My attitude's always I'll go out there if somebody flies me out and gives me a reason. But, you know, L.A. has their own guys to do their own shows, and it hasn't come up. And I'm not sure I would move all the way to Los Angeles just to be a TV warm-up guy on a show out oh, there. Oh, please. That's a, it's just as cutthroat out there. And uh, oh, it's totally. funny. They all try and double-dip as well, you know, try and get multiple sure. shows. And then uh, we've yeah. had to deal with them on a show that we're working on. And it's really funny. We went through this whole. The biggest problem we've had was getting the warm up. Uh, really? Yeah, it was weird. And then he he made it weird. They made it weird. It was a whole weird thing. And then look, now there's no audience, so <laughs> so we don't need anybody anymore. So it kind of worked out. Um, um, you, but, wow, I'm just in time. Yeah. Is it sad when these shows move on? Like Wilmore, it, that that you know that was done and a couple of years yeah. in, and then the opposition didn't last. And I don't even know if Match Game's still going. But they, is it sad when they, you move on, or they ask you to move on, or they just get canceled? And it's kind of sad. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, like, well, every every show it's a different scenario. So I mean, <clears throat> when I was moved from the Daily Show to Colbert. I mean, that felt sad at first. I, you know, I didn't realize, I, I kind of felt like I was, you know, well, well, why am I, you know, well, I thought you liked me. Why are you moving me away? You know, mm-hmm. that, but of course it's just, it's, you know, the tail side of the coin. It's the same thing. So it's a lateral move. So that was no big deal. Um, when Larry's Wilmore show, I mean, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw that it was dwindling and wasn't going to last, but still when, when the, you know, we, that was during election year, so we were shocked that we didn't make it at least till the end of the year to cover, you know, the news in the election. So that was a really tough one. Yeah. Um, you know, other ones when I did for Match Game, that was just that was just a gig. I mean, that was I did one season for them, and uh, and and you know, so I don't have a real close connection. And did you the do opposition? A, do you have? I a... got out of that show. I quit it before it. <laughs> that was a nightmare. I quit that one, and then they. Why uh, he's so good? Why did it suck? The you know what happened? This is one of the shitty things that happens when you're a warm up guy. Is you are the bottom level. You know, uh, you're you're low man on the totem pole, and that show was failing, and was really they couldn't get an audience. Sometimes, I mean, many nights I was performing for an audience of a dozen people. Wow, literally. Yeah, and and so that last scene is during the during the uh, the credits as they're flashing the audience. You'll notice it was just really close up of one <laughs> one group of people, and oftentimes they were the writers. Oh so it was failing, and uh, and I think it was kind of rearranging, you know, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. I think Comedy Central was coming down on them. They had to make changes, and so they started fucking around with the warm up and treating me really poorly, and. Uh, and and got into this idea that they were going to have a different instead of you know they hired me as a full time guy and then no now we're going to have you twice a week and other people so the audience gets a new warm up guy like the people who come on Tuesday <laughs> night give a shit who the warm up guy on Monday uh, it was just to show the uppers that they were making changes and I I had none of that I was like fuck you this is like my twentieth TV show you're not going to treat me like this I'll get another job I'm yeah they, it's really funny they do tend to I, I have two quick questions and we got to move on I yeah. one is they have a tendency to blame the warm up guy I have a, I've heard countless stories of like if the audience wasn't like through the roof vomiting laughter like they'll call you in and go hey what happened like it's your fault you know yeah um, is that yeah. is that your experience that no that I'm good at my job. 
<laughs> no, I no, yeah, the the, the warm up guy can get blamed. The warm up guy can, you know, you're there. They love blaming know. the warm up guy. It's the same. Yeah, it's it's to a lesser extent the same thing. I feel in stand up was until you're a real name name whatever, you're just a dime a dozen guy. And right. if you're not, if you're not at your best, if you're not on your best behavior what's their incentive not to just call the next dude because 30 other people want that gig. So if you're not at your best, they're going to call you out on it. All right. I didn't have a lot of troubles with that. I, I would just always felt like I was the low man on the totem pole. All right. Of course that's, that's part of it. Is that why you pulled away from this now? Like you were saying, like you're not, you're, you're kind of moving yeah. in other directions now. You've, you've done it, been there, done it. Let's move on. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. The opposition when that one, when that really, turned to crap that really soured me on it and i had been like doing pretty much i kind of given up on not on intentionally but my stand-up career had fallen away mm-hmm. and i wasn't doing the the stand-up like i'd wanted i maybe i got a little fat and lazy and was making good money and blah 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 but after the opposition i was like you know i just realized like when i decided to quit I'm like i did not move down here and do all this right. just to get make other people look good like it's time for me to do me and focus on other things good so idea. now i'm not i'm not hustling to do the warm-up now every once in a while a show might call and i'll come in and do a quick thing but i'm not i'm not doing to the extent that i used to great let's let's move on to the next one speaking of stand-up so you've done a lot of cruise ships too and now i'm guessing that you can't really go away if you're the warm-up guy for uh, right. unless you're in hiatus and you'd really have to thread a needle with what dates you're going to do on a cruise ship, but you've done those too. And that is, again, you have, a, as far as I'm concerned, you are a glutton for punishment. You love, not that regular, you know, it's tough to do comedy in New York city, but it's definitely tough to be a warm up guy. And then you're like, Oh, what would make my life even more like confused in hell? I would think a cruise ship would be the answer. Um, cruise ship was the answer yeah <laughs> yeah i mean did you like it did you have a good experience most people say they liked it up front and then it sort of they it sours along the way it gets a little stale and then it, they always have like one bad experience two bad experiences and after a while it's like i'm not answering to these people at all you got to be kidding me yeah yeah pretty much that um well first of all i never the two didn't overlap it's funny i i um I quit the opposition in March and I, I remember I, you know, weirdly enough, I got a call from a cruise ship agent about a week later. Hmm. So, wow. Uh, yeah. And then, but then it still, you know, it takes a long time. It wasn't until the following January that I, that I actually did my first cruise ship. So but, what'd you do? Uh, Carnival, Royal, Holland, Royal, oh, Royal. Did you like it? Yeah. How's your experience? Uh, I liked things about it. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're, when you're when you're doing Royal, every show I ever did was in their big theater, right. so it it felt like important as close that I could imagine to being like a Vegas comic. Yeah. back in the '60s, big yeah. band, you're wearing a suit, thousand people in the audience, blah blah blah. Um, you know, but yes, it gets old. It gets the travels a bitch. The, the they nickel and dime you, so the money is nowhere near as good as you thought it would be. Right. Uh, you're all alone, and then yeah, you have the nightmare ship that sours it for you, and uh, and then a pandemic comes and wipes out the industry anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, uh, wait. you guys always talk about these cruises. Is there any moment where you're like, is there any moment where you're like, I'm on a cruise, I'm 
I got to work, like, just do the show, and then I just enjoy the cruise. Like, is, does that, and they're like, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, I'm, I'm laying out in the middle of the ocean. I'm, I'm, no, nothing like I, that. I, there I, is. There is, yeah, there is. Go ahead, you do first. There definitely is. I mean, it's, it's awesome that you can, you know, the, the food and the this and the that uh, is really cool and the relaxing element. But that gets old, or it doesn't get old, but it, the, the novelty wears off of it. And, um, at some point, you know, when you when when people go on a cruise, like you as a comic, you don't want to go do the limbo contest. You don't want to go watch the belly flop contest and the dance and all that, all that hokey stuff. I, I don't want any part of that. So yeah. you end up just feeling lonely. You yeah. know, you're 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 in your own little room for for a week. You go eat kind of by yourself. You I I read so many books. I would just load my Kindle up with, uh, you know, books from the library and read like three or four books in a week. So it's just, and you just feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You, you know, if you want to be in contact with the world, you have to pay like about $100 to your cell phone company or $300 to the, 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 the cruise ship to use their internet and all this other crap. So you just, you know, it, it turns out it's, it's okay once in a while, like if, if the world came back where it was and I could do maybe two or three cruise ships over the course of a year, that'd be fine with me. But uh, I, I definitely am not the, the week in, week out cruise ship. Yeah, it gets it gets old quick. There are there's advantages to every one, every line and yeah. disadvantages yeah. to every line. I, you know, I, I tell the story all the time. I did Holland America to make money for my wedding. And um, the food was fantastic. I'd be like, I had to do one show a week. You know, it was like this whole craziness of how good this was. I was going to Alaska and it was just, it was a really nice thing. But then, I mean, in, I Tuesday night was my night. I do the thing and I do the show and I'm done. And the rest of it, I got now six days to just be, there is nothing to do. It's an older ship. I'm in Alaska. There's not really, I've gone around twice already. Um, it's, there's nobody within my age range that I would want to hang out with anyway. You know what I mean? People yeah. are going to sleep at 1030 because they want to wake up to see glaciers. It's very, very, there's like two rooms that you might want to hear the music that they play if you don't like violins. So it, it can be very, <laughs> it's very odd. But you do get a rest and um, it's I, I don't know it's it's a it can be a good break every once in a while, but it also it can kind be. Kind of sounds soul searching, like you hit rock bottom out there. It, there is some of that if you watch some of these other <laughs> some of these comics are are escaping like the reality of their lives. They're divorced. Yeah. They're you know they're on the twelve step programs. They're just kind of clean oh up. Gosh. They're in they're in crazy debt. They're just trying to get out of debt. You know they're just yeah. trying to just just trying to clean it up, man. And this is a way to clean it up. Well, when I was on a when I was on a cruise, the, the craziest part I never did comedy, obviously on a cruise. But the craziest part was when we first went on a cruise when I was younger with my family. You sit at a table and we're all excited and we're there ready dinner. You know, you know the big dinner. And then next thing I know, there's a whole other family that joins us, and we had no idea that they. <laughs> oh, yeah. They like put you together, so I guess you could do that as a comedy. You'd be like, "Could I get put on the table, please?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. You, you can ask to be put at a table with some people. Some people like it, and then some people. But I remember we that was a request that you your parents could have made. Like, no, we don't want that. And right. you can yeah, go. Yeah, we didn't know that. That was like 
these people. And then if yeah. you don't do well on the show, you are stuck with these people uh, after that. Will you recognize? I For some reason, I used to tell, uh, I used to wear, ba- if I wear a baseball hat and glasses, they don't mm-hmm. see me as the same person, you know, like, um, or take my glasses yeah. off. Like, it's the same, I, I can hide. Um, some people yeah, cannot got- hide. You, 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 you do get that feeling of being a celebrity on the ship for sure, because you're recognizable and like, you know, the electronic posters of my picture are up everywhere. So people are recognizing you and coming up and are very nice. Fortunately, I never had that experience where I, you know, where I totally bombed and then had to be around people that that didn't happen for me. But yeah, they, they they they'll ask for pictures. They'll be very nice. That was a cool element of it. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, that's nice. That See, you're better yeah, than I am. I had some great ones where uh, I had a guy. I mean, I had at least two where they. You know, I want my money back from this cruise. This guy offended me. So, uh-huh. and um, one of them was like, well, one of them was people a, are always going to bitch because they want free stuff. And yeah. A, and a, you know, and, it's, and especially if you're, you know, you're put on the farewell show, so it's the last thing they think about. They'll bitch about everything just to try to get. Yeah, it's you kind of you kind of go into the industry knowing that whatever cruise ship line you're on, you're you're going to only be on there for a limited at- amount of time. If you're a success, they're not going to have you back because they've used you too much, and they want to have fresh people <laughs> for the next time that people come around. And if you're a failure, you know, you're going to get one too many. Not even a failure, but one too many people are just going to put the negative thing in the comments about you, and then they'll just move on. Yeah, I always There's say not a lot of I always, allegiance to the comic. I always say the best cruise ship, people come off of cruise ships and go, the comic was blah. That's ex- that's perfect. They the guy wants to be blah. You know what I mean? The guy yeah. wants to be somebody you never remember. So your act, yeah. you never remember this guy's act. He was just, he was like, okay, he was on a cruise ship. He was a comic. You know, they don't want mm-hmm. it to be that. Six. They don't really want. I don't even know. I think the comic themselves in that, if you're a mediocre comic, that's the place to go, because yeah, I mean, you're in you, a sweet I mean, spot of work. If you can get, yeah, it's good work if you can get it, and if you're mediocre, if you're some of the guys I know that do really well are what we would totally call hack, you know, and that and mm-hmm. and I didn't do the, you know, and some of them gave me the advice beforehand of what to do, and it was just kind of you know go hack, but I didn't do that. I actually kind of used my time doing cruise ships, I think, to set myself up for the next phase, which would be corporate comedy, which mm. is basically taking, being able to take your act, because you have to have a lot of material. And we're used to doing, if we go to a club or something as a headliner, you know, you do your set. You may go off, do some crowd work, go off on a tangent, but your set is your set. You know one bit will eventually feed into the next, and that'll feed in. But to, to do a crowd, to do a cruise ship, I had to be taking, like, like each bit was like an old used car and I'm pulling pieces out from here and mm-hmm. things out from there and, and putting this hybrid of an act together because it can't be dirty. It can't be political. It can't be this, but it has to be funny. And instead of being a total hack, so finding and, and being able to change the act around to suit that room, I think is a skill that is going to translate, you know, down the road now that I'm, you know, established in my forties, I can start going after some of that corporate work and, <laughs> and being able to do that well. That is a good I'm trick. guessing the next thing. I like the way you... Don't they make you do the uh, TV thing on the cruise ship too? Don't they make you do the TV show? Uh, it is? Once in a while. I only I mean, had to do that where... one. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought 
thought that was like part of the deal. Like you had to go perform on this weird show thing. No. Well, the thing with the thing with cruises is the uh, the director of the entertainment director, the guy who's always does that show. He's generally a failed comic or wanted to be a comic or wanted to be something else and wasn't good enough. And so now he, he plays to the crowd during the YMCA and, and, you know, all that bullshit. So those shows, that's his little time to shine. They don't generally like, I was only asked to come on and do that show one time. Otherwise it's just those guys farting around. Yeah. They, oh, sure. Yeah. They were really, I don't want to share the mic. I did one where the cruise director came on and uh, he was like, he did some kind of weird game show and they wanted you to, you know, do the game show. And I was like, you know, they're not really, they ask you, but they're not really asking. And I'm like, well, yeah. they're not paying me to do that. Only bad things can happen. So I try to lay really, really low. But this guy, <laughs> I mean, I go out of my way not to be there when they call. Not to, I'm not helping them. One, I just want to get, I don't want to talk to anybody. By the end, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to see anybody. I just shut my mouth, read the books, you know, did the show. Good night. Thank you. Walked out of the room. I didn't talk to I her. Thought, I uh, thought the goal was to be invited to the captain's table. No. That, I mean, yeah, there, no. there is a crew bar, and you hang out with these people, and some people drink with them, and then, you know, I always uh -huh. say, what's the I don't remember the rule. You can't fuck the guests, or you can't fuck the crew. I can't remember which one. They always give you that rule. Yeah. You know? yeah. So You got to keep your dick in your pants, and you got to uh, keep to yourself. Like, yeah, the crew bar, that was, that was the bonus, you know, because the the alcohol and stuff on the ship is, is Cheap. super expensive, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like New York City prices, like a beer is like eight bucks and, and all this. But in the but crew down bar, the it's... crew bar, a beer is like a buck and a half. Yeah. And uh, and so I would go to I would go to the crew bar, and uh, I would get I would get this would be my night after I finished my show. I would go to the crew bar. I would buy like three bottles of Heineken at a time, two unopened, put them in my cargo shorts, walk up to the deck on the fifth floor sit at a chair, read my book, sip the beers, and then I would go back and repeat that until I was sleepy, until the beer <laughs> made me sleepy. And then I would sleep all day. I would try not to wake up till like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I would go to the – at the beginning, like whoever was like, hey, come hang with us at the crew bar. So I'd go down there. I'd have waters. I'd have to explain for the millionth time I don't drink, never did. They'd look at me like I was retarded. Then yep. I would have to – you know, then I have to – um, you know, then I just like, okay, good seeing you and go upstairs, you know, but I get my, the only reason I'm there is for the dollar water bottle, you know, the, the 20 yep. cent water bottle. And then, <laughs> but then by the time I was like, what am I doing? I'm, I don't care if they invite me back. I got to this point where I don't care if they invite me back or as long as they gave yep. me a decent review. So I did the minimal and then I just Irish goodbye it every time. And, and next, yep. you know, now I didn't even. Now, if I had had to do one before I, you know, I haven't been on one in a while to him, but if I had to, it is the literal minimal. You will not see me until showtime and when you yep. need me. And then I am dust, you know, like yep. just boom. Yep. Wait, isn't the crew bar like, is it a nice bar, like an uh, Irish pub type bar? Or no, just a, no, it's like the Star Wars bar. You ever see those scenes? It's yeah. like everybody's from somewhere else. They all look weird. It's uh, the the dancers are still. They think they're the hottest chicks that, in the history of the world. They're mediocre dancers at best, but they're all in these matching sweatsuits that the cruise line gives them, and they all wear kabuki makeup. They're all wearing like white, yeah. you know, with their hair pulled yeah. back, and they all sit in the corner like a clique. 
and they all have their eye and they're hanging with their gay dancer friends and they're all just sitting in the corner like it's high school. And I'm like, you guys (laughs) wouldn't even be a four in Manhattan. Cut it out. You know, like it's nuts. Wow. No, I'm just, you could see what's, I'm 25 years older than these girls. I'm like, no, the reason why you didn't yeah. make it to Broadway is because you're chunky. That's as simple as yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's a rejection. She rejected. What was her name? Cindy. The crew bar, no, yeah, the crew bar is, it's, it's, first of all, it's the, the smokiest place in the, in the world because it's one place where they can all smoke cigarettes. Everybody is from, you know, all over the world. So hardly any of them even speak English. They're all just sitting around. And these folks who've been busting their ass for 18 hours, they're just kind of staring at each other, smoking and drinking. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only people who speak English are the dancers and the, and, and their, their, uh, their little crew. But the thing is when you come in, you know, even if you wanted to hang out with them or whatnot, it's like being an exchange student at a high school three quarters away through the year. They've already got their friendships and their cliques and their inside jokes. Uh, and their, yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, it's that, awful. That, you know, it's this, we're, we're all together for nine months and we created our own little family. And you're just this outside person who's going to be gone. And, and they, they, they in the corner. Yeah, and they also figured, out, they also make a dollar fifty, and they're, right. they get the experience of doing this and they live out their Broadway hopeful dreams. And right. they don't, Gosh. when they find out what the comics make for the week, it's like what they make for they like six you. months, and they're like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing. All right, let's move on. There's nothing good yeah. at some points. You're very lonely out there. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. All right. Um, the fourth one we're going to do today, we're going to do a little quiz. I am going to lose okay. Neil and put him in the soundproof booth. We'll do Kevin, and then Neil, I will get you back okay. on the line. All right? All right. So bye. See, this is why I don't okay. tell him what it is. This is very uh-huh. easy. You've um, worked on a lot of TV shows on a lot of networks. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you the show, and you give me the network the show was originally on. All right? Originally okay. on. So if they moved All it right. to reruns on Netflix like everything else, do not say sure. Netflix. Okay. okay. Very simple. We should bang these out. There's 20 of them, and it should go okay. pretty quickly. Ready? Ready. Friends. NBC. Yeah. Jersey Shore. MTV. The Sopranos. HBO. The Simpsons. Fox. Cheers. NBC. Homeland. Showtime? Yep. The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. I thought that originated on Hulu. Yes. Mad Men. Uh, Mad Men was AMC. Yes. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot? I've never heard of, but I will guess. HBO. No. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was uh, also AMC. Yes. All in the Family. All in the Family. CBS. Yes. Um, The Addams Family. The original. Back in 1965. I mean, you're probably Uh, guessing, but... Yeah, I'm guessing ABC. Yes. Batman. The original with uh, Batman. I'm gonna guess was also ABC. Yes, The Office. The Office. The American. Re- oh, the NBC. the original. Sorry, the original. Oh, the original BBC. Yes, I would have given you another point if said BBC too, but BBC. Yes, Louis. Louis was 
that was HBO. Uh, Wait, no. I'm confusing the Louis C.K. shows. Uh, Louis, this last iteration that made him all the awards. Okay. Yeah. Oh, was that on uh, FX? Yes. The okay. the American version of this, House of Cards. American version of House of Cards, I think, was Showtime. No. Uh, the Richard Dawson version of The Family Feud back in the day. Holy Jesus. I would have guessed that was syndication, but I'm going to, if it was a network, I'll say uh, CBS. Uh, nope. I Love no. Lucy. I Love Lucy. When it NBC. No. And Buffy no. the Vampire Slayer. The WB? Yes. And the Twilight Zone. The original Twilight Zone would have been, I think, CBS. Yes. Oh, you did amazing. Okay, so. Did all right. Yeah, one. Kind of faltered there towards the end. You got it. 16 out of 20. Wow, that was really good. Yeah. All right. 80%. Yeah. Neil, it's going to be, it'll be closed, but I don't think Neil can, I don't think Neil can get 16. But then again, okay. I never know what Neil knows. He's <laughs> he's sort of a, an idiot savant, uh, emphasis yeah. on the idiot. So, <laughs> um, all right, let me get him back on. All right. Hello, do I got a chance? Um, maybe. Do you, you want me to tell you what he got? What? Do you want me to tell you what Kevin got? Yeah, hit me with it. 16 out of 20. All right, so this is Kevin. You still there to listen to this? I'm here. I'm here. All yep. right, you can laugh along with me. All right, I okay. Will, I'll get my my zinger out, my buzzer. All right, this is Neil. I'm gonna give you the show. You tell me this. What channel was the original show on? It's a network because Kevin has done TV shows for multiple networks. I'm just gonna give you the show when it originally aired on television. What is the network? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Friends. NBC. Yeah. Jersey Shore. MTV. Yes. The Sopranos. Uh, HBO. Simpsons. Fox. Cheers. NBC. Homeland. Showtime. The Handmaid's Tale. Hulu. Mad Men. AMC. Yes. Mr. Robot. Uh, FX. Oh, that was US. That's USA. Oh, shit. (laughs) Breaking Bad. Oh, shit. This is my downfall now. Breaking Bad is AMC. Yes, that's your show. All in the family. Oh, shit. I knew these were coming. (laughs) CBS? Yes. You 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 guys are tied. The Addams Family. Oh, shit. I only know it on TBS, <laughs> but I guess I'll go on, uh, I don't know. It sounds like an ABC show. Yes. <laughs> How about Batman back in the day with Adam West? Oh, the original Batman yeah. was on uh, UF, UCF. No, uh, oh, shit. I'll go with NBC. Nope. It was ABC. Ah, uh, oh, shit. The original Office with Ricky Gervais. BBC. Yes. Uh, Louie, the one I was on. Oh, not the one on HBO. That was on FX. Yes. 
Okay. You guys are still tight. Uh, I think uh, Kevin has a lead by one. Um, the shit. The American version of House of Cards. Wait, you got the Adam. He got the uh, you got the Adams family. Yeah, he got the Adams family. Yeah. The House of Cards. Uh, House of Cards HBO. <laughs> no, it was Netflix original. Oh shit! You're right. Damn it! <laughs> I got. I got that one wrong, too. <laughs> I said it too fast. I knew it was Netflix. Yeah, you did. You watched the whole series, dummy. That was the original show that put Netflix on the map. Richard. Yeah, damn it. I just, I'm just so upset about Kevin Spacey. I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have one more. You, have, you, you need to get the rest to win it. Uh, Richard, uh, Richard, damn it. The Richard Dawson version of Family Feud back in the day. No oh, shit. Oh, my family, we raced home every morning like 11 a.m. to watch this, too. This is our family. This bonded my family. Shit. I'm going with uh, ABC. Yes. There you go. Nice. I love Lucy. When oh, I... shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love Lucy. Uh, NBC. No, CBS. Damn it. <laughs> So you guys are... <laughs> We're tied right You're now, tied. Right? You're tied right you now, so Neil... You got to get the last two to tie them, and if you, <laughs> you miss one, Shit. this is classic Neil, Kevin, I, every time. <laughs> the choke, the choke, the choke. All right. B- <laughs> Buffy... No, the- he gets both of them, he wins. No, no, no. One well, wrong, I guess, no, right? no, you both have... He both have 16... I mean, you both... Uh, if he has four wrong, you had four wrong total. Right. So he has four wrong now. So if he right. gets one more wrong, he will. I win. Yes. If he gets them both right. He That's wins. if he get you. If he gets them both by both right, you tie. Oh right, 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 right. And we'll go to the tiebreaker. So gotcha. Buff Neil Buffy the Vampire Slayer. God damn! I Fox. <laughs> <laughs> ah shit! And the Twilight Zone. What was the Twilight Zone? It was CBS. That's very good. So you missed by one, Neil. The winner, Kevin WB. Kevin Martini. Good one. That was fun. That was a good challenge. Good one. Down to the end. Hilarious, Neil. I don't know. You're going to kill yourself. You watched all you talked for two years, Kevin. All I heard was House of Cards. You got to watch House of Cards. Kevin's basically greatest show. And it literally was the flagship show of that network, and you forgot the network. All yeah. right, great, good job. I got, yeah, but I got that wrong too. I forgot that that was. Yeah, but he, you don't understand how much he loved that he stupid was show. With it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, thought, yeah, I just totally jumped the gun. I totally forgot about it. I thought HBO for some reason. Yeah. Shit. I, I yeah, mean, I got I got Batman for ABC, and you didn't get that one. But the thing with ABC back in like the sixties and seventies, they were like such the shit network. Yeah. Like all the hokier. Yep shows like the flying nun and that kind of crap was on abc and the good stuff was cbs or nbc but at so. the did you know this at the little fun fact uh for everyone uh the adams family aired the same time as the monsters the yeah. monsters was on both apparently did not know that they were in the works to make these shows i don't believe it but they they went up against each other. So the Munsters, I think, was on CBS, and they went up, and the Munsters beat the Adams. I mean, the Adams family ended up beating the Munster and right. lasting. So yep. amazing. All right, the way we end this show every week is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Neil, you want to start this week? My good thing is during the quarantine, uh, I definitely become a TikTok machine. 
However, yeah. my I came down to Virginia. My nieces are all young and in high school, and they have taught me a new TikTok world. And you know how they they I'm into that world because they they showed me how they jerked around the president, and they were all booking tickets to that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now the president is trying to ban TikTok, you know, because he's all pissed that they jerked him around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so that's a good thing and a bad thing because it's a good thing because I feel like I'm in the world. I know what's going on with this, this, this group of people I have no idea about. This is what's going on with them. The bad thing is it is it's uh, Bethel's about to kill me because it's, it's spiraled out of the addiction is spiraled out of control. Well, I mean, you are a 16 year old girl at this point. I don't I, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have that right. app. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. You gotta try it. No. All right, Kevin, you got one good thing or one bad thing of the week that's happened to you, or both. You can, whatever. Uh, okay, yeah, one good thing, one bad thing this week. Well, uh, one good thing is that, uh, as, I, as I said earlier about the toxic waste dump coming threatening my hometown, one good thing is that this week uh, the EPA has opened their public comments part, so um, people can send an email or a letter expressing their disgust with uh, with this whole concept of dredging GE's PCBs out of the river only to dump them into a hole in the ground right next to it. Mm. So that's a good thing uh, that we can fight back, and I encourage people to do that. Uh, and I will have a link at kevinbartini.com so you can simply and easily do that. And uh, one bad thing this week is... Uh, Gosh, it's been a pretty good week, to oh, tell you the truth. That's great. One bad, one bad thing is, uh, one one bad thing is we've uh, we've been binge watching um, Mad Men, uh-huh. and uh, this week we will have finished it, and so then I'm rudderless. <laughs> don't know, don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of this quarantine. All right, well, my Don Draper thing. I need a five. Let me know if you want me to. I can organize a TikTok campaign <laughs> to save that whole land situation. Uh, Kevin. Uh, have you seen Breaking Bad from beginning to oh, end? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so which is the better show? This, Man Man or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, I think, is the superior. Yeah, oh, nice I disagree, nice Kevin. I disagree so much. Ah, I think Man Man's wonderful, but Breaking Bad had those great cliffhangers, those great just complete 180s and things that were totally effed up that... Uh, uh. I don't know. Mad Men's a wonderful character piece and time piece, yeah. but you Breaking like Bad is the one I'll go back and rewatch again and again, I think. All right. There you go. I like Mad Men better. Me and Neil go back and forth, but you're the first person who got to weigh in, so I'm down one. I'm down one on that one. <laughs> All right, my one good thing or bad thing of the week is um, Neil and I are back in business with uh, Supermarket Sweep in L.A., and um, we are headed to L.A. again. We weren't going. We've been going. We're not going. So if L.A., if the people in Los Angeles can just do me a solid and wear a friggin' mask for, you know, it'll at least stay stable. They've had to, like, downgrade what people in L.A. can do. If they downgrade it again, we're not going. So you guys, please, in the Los Angeles area, just wear a mask. Trust me, it works. Everybody in New York City's done it. We have a billion people here on top of each other, and they respect each other to enough. They're not perfect, but they expect us enough to, you know, to lessen the curve. And you're going to need it because it's going to be a second wave. So please do that so I can actually have a life for a week and we can just sneak in, masks on, do the show, sneak out all in one piece. Um, but it's it's back on. So we are very excited. 
We'll keep you posted on uh, all things Supermarket Sweep. Kevin, congratulations. Thank you. Kevin Bartini. Uh, Instagram is at Kevin Bartini. Twitter, at Kevin Bartini. Your website is KevinBartini.com, correct? Yeah, baby. And the album. That's branding right there. Right Everything's there. Kevin Bartini. The album is Western Masshole. You'll proceeds go to help that, you know, help out Lee, Massachusetts. A beautiful area if you get a chance to go up to those that part of the world. And um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us. Oh my god, my pleasure. It. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I love your show. It was exciting to be a part of it. Awesome. And uh, that was amazing. We'll see you guys next week. All right, bye everybody. Bye, bye everybody. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus, executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. <laughs>